0: Welcome to the Freelance Indexer Exchange. I'm Michelle Giuliano, and I'd like to start a conversation with you about indexing. I sometimes find the business of freelancing lonely and isolating. How about you? Do you ever wonder whether it has to be this way? So let's talk about the hard stuff, because we can do better together. Hello and welcome to part 3 of the year-end review. This is episode 5, in case any of you are counting. I'm going to go through my answer to the questions I detailed in the year-end review part 2. Part 1 of this series discussed the why and how to do a year-end review. So head back to that one if you want those details. So now I'm ready to start answering the questions on the year-end review. The first one is, what kind of indexing do I love to do? Well, For this question, I focused on the types of material I index rather than specific specialties. I do a lot of trade book indexing, and those subject specialties range far and wide. So I didn't think it would be very worthwhile to look at that this year. But that might be important for you to look at, or you might wanna focus on the type of indexing that you do, embedded versus back of the book. But for me, I focused on specific specialties. And I came up with two that I really love to work on, and that is trade books. I love indexing trade books because there's, there's a different rhythm to the indexing of them. And I never know what's coming up in my project queue. I like to say that indexing trade books is like receiving the liberal arts education I never had since I had so many pre-med requirements to take at Swarthmore. And some of my trade books are on scholarly topics written for the layperson. That's a huge bonus for me because I love some academic topics, but I don't always love indexing scholarly books. Trade book topics that I indexed in 2022 included art and house design books, health and well-being books, and history books. I indexed a couple books on each of the following topics, food, film, politics, parenting, and music. The disco one was especially fun. I even indexed a spy book. I always pick up a couple pointers on how to run my business better when I index business books, so I'm always happy to see that there's usually eight or ten of them in my list at the end of the year. That said, I also really enjoy indexing some medical textbooks. I work for one publisher for several years, and I love the way they organize their books and their joy to work with. I always seem to be happy when I have a book of theirs in my queue. So... I've established my two favorite types of indexing are trade books and medical textbooks. Great, but what does this mean for my business? What can I learn from this? I looked at the distributions of these two types of indexing on my spreadsheet. I found that 60% of my income comes from trade books, while 30% comes from textbooks. That's good to know. I also found out that 74% of my projects are text are trade books, while 14% of my projects are textbooks. That was really interesting to see. I know that textbooks tend to be longer than trade books. Um, so it's not surprising that I a larger percentage of my, my books are trade books. But this also got me thinking, hmm, maybe it wouldn't be hard to increase my year-end projections if I added only a couple of medical textbooks. So if I want to grow my business, I'm thinking to myself, I could grow my business just by increasing by a slight bump in my textbook indexing. But before I can decide something like this, I have to figure out whether which one pays better, because it might be that I make more money from trade books. So I again looked at my spreadsheet and I wanted to compare my hourly rate for working on those books. You see, I charge people by the page, by the entry, and sometimes by a flat project fee. And by calculating an hourly rate for these books, I'm able to compare apples to apples. And since I do really good time tracking, my hourly rate is very easy to calculate. And I actually found that within a dollar or two, they're just about the same. And the best part is both of them are right at my tower, my target hourly rate. That's fantastic. So that means either one is a good candidate if I want to increase my yearly projections. But then I isolated medical textbooks from that particular publisher that I liked, and I found that I make 15% more per hour for those books. That's really good food for thought. Again, I should look at medical textbooks if I want to increase my revenue next in next year which is actually this year 2023. The other thing that I should be looking at is whether adding more medical textbooks to my project list will that will that mean that I'll free up time to do more work because I always spend the same, I assume I spend the same amount of time, same amount of admin time setting up the project, um, conversing back and forth with the editor and onboarding the client and invoicing. But I don't have those kind of records. So now I know that I need to add on time tracking for my admin um, work for these, um, for any of my books. And so that's something I earmarked to do in 2023. So let's move on to question number two. Do I want to take my business in a new direction this year? I ask myself this question every single year. And in my last year-end business review for 2021, I realized that I wanted my business to take a more creative turn and I wanted to energize myself about indexing. And I came up with the idea of podcasting and I spent time in 2022 figuring out how to produce and create a podcast and here we are in 2023. So my job this year for this new direction is to ensure that it doesn't cut into my work time or my free time. I have to make sure that I have space for this during my work week but it can't affect my bottom line. After all, this is unpaid work. And since I'm directing this at indexers, I don't even expect this to result in more work. So it's something that I have to carefully monitor and make sure that I am keeping a work-life balance while doing something like this. And so far, it's working really well. And do I wanna look at any other new directions? Well, as I noted, a- I noted before, the majority of the work I do is doing something that I love. 88% of my business is either from textbook indexing or trade book indexing, two lines of work that I find very satisfying. So this year, I'm not pressed to look for a new direction for my indexing business. Next year, I might want to fine tune either my trade book indexing or textbook side of my business, or maybe not. But it's important that I ask this question each year in my year-end review. I want to create a business that is satisfying and that is fulfilling. And I have to ask this question each year to make sure I'm going in a direction that I'm happy with. And now, on to question number three What is on my wish list of resources for this year? Before I ask myself this, I always do a rundown of the age of my major electronics like my desktop, my laptop, and my iPad and my printer, because these all tend to be big purchases. They've all been purchased recently, so there's no need to upgrade them this year, and I don't anticipate upgrading them the following year. My monitor, on the other hand, is five years old. It works without issue, but this year I'm going to put aside money to make sure that at the end of the year I have enough to replace it if necessary. Once that money is in that savings account, I don't touch it and it's earmarked for my monitor. But two thi- there are two things that I want to make room for this year, and those are conferences. I wanted to attend the Indexing Society of Canada's conference in June, and I was also hoping for an in-person ASI conference this year, but it's virtual. I really wanted to reconnect with indexers that I haven't seen in a few years in the United States, but maybe next year. Because I don't have to attend the conference at ASI, I realized I had some time in my schedule to submit a presentation proposal and actually create a presentation for ASI. I am very excited to say that they accepted my proposal, so I'll be presenting this year and attending virtually. The Canadian conference is in person, so I had to make sure that I had the monetary resources as well as the vacation day resources to go to this conference. It was easy for me to shoehorn in the days for the Canadian Conference, because last year I had set aside days for visiting colleges both in the fall and the spring. And in 2023, I only have to do it in the spring. So I'm pretty happy to say that it was really easy to make time for this. I also, also, since I didn't have to put aside a lot of money to save for electronics, it wasn't that hard to... Um, create a budget for plane tickets um, and hotel and the cost of the Canadian conference. So number three, this question is an example of a question that needs to be answered every single year, um, but the actions that need to be taken don't necessarily have to change the course of your business or budget, but it's good to check in every single year with this question. Question number four is a two-part question. What worked well in 2022 and what didn't work well? Let's start with what worked well. I felt that in 2022, I had a really good mix of clients that are also good clients. 2022 was a really rough year for me personally. And if I didn't have such great clients, it would have been tough for me professionally as well. When my mom was hospitalized at the end of June, I felt really comfortable reaching out to clients to explain the situation. It was a tough couple of months, but every single one of my clients stuck by me and showed me grace and compassion. It was unbelievable, and I am forever grateful to them. Now, did I arrive here by luck? No. Over time, I pruned unreasonable clients or low-paying clients. And it's hard to do that because the fear of not having clients to replace them or projects to fill those spaces... It can be really hard to overcome that, but I truly believe that if you make room both in your schedule and in your energy for new clients and and opportunities, it's gonna come forward for you. Don't let fear hold you back. Another thing that went well for me was having my indexes edited by another indexer. Oh my goodness, this was definitely a plus. It freed me up to take more work in 2022 with now Without necessarily increasing my hours. After all, I am not the most efficient editor. The added bonus to this kind of working partnership is that I found I had a colleague that I could work with on a regular basis. You know, even though I did the indexing and she did the editing, it was fantastic to bounce ideas off of someone else. I think I would have really enjoyed working in an office at a publishing company that employed indexers because. I really like the meeting of the minds aspect of this type of collaboration. I'll save further insights into this type of ar- arrangement for my ASI presentation, but I'll tell you it was a game changer for me. Another thing that I implemented in 2022, which was a that ended up being a great win, was looking f- ahead at my calendar and then blocking off time for a rest after a big indexing push. Doing this actually didn't even affect my work capacity because I found in my 2021 review that I was not very productive after working when I had just completed a huge indexing push because I was tired and I needed a break. And scheduling that break allowed me to be more efficient when I got back to work. So it was really amazing to see the numbers show that the scheduling break actually didn't affect my productive work hours for the year. What a great find, and I am definitely implementing this in 2023. What didn't work well? Well, let's go back to my schedule. My schedule didn't work well, both in terms of my indexing calendar and my personal responsibilities. A review of my calendar and my work journal demonstrated that they often intersect in messy ways, and it took me a while to identify how this occurred during my review. And so by the time I figured this out, I was ready to move on to the next question. I identified the problem, but I I didn't resolve it during the review. I earmarked it in my schedule to brainstorm this later. I also then purchased some books that specifically addressed this issue, and they were so insightful and helpful. I've already implemented a couple things that resulted in positive changes, and I'm excited to share all of this with you in a future episode. I hope you can see that when you do the year-end review, sometimes you don't need to solve things, you just need to identify them and resolve them at a later time. Now it's time to evaluate my client list. What clients do I really enjoy working with, and what clients might not fit into my business anymore? I talked earlier about that one client that I really like working with, the client that I do medical textbooks for. I really hope to continue working with them in the future, but the editor in charge of these projects retired last year, and so I'm not worried about not enjoying working with this group anymore because I work with a bunch of editors there. It's just that the one who assigns all the projects retired. But I did do work for the new editor this past year in 2022, and I have another project coming up from them in a couple weeks. So I'm hopeful I not only like this client because the pay is good and they have reasonable deadlines, but I really enjoy the work and the workplace culture. So this is something I'm going to be monitoring closely. And I'm earmarking the fact that I really should see, search out other clients like this. In 2021, my year-end review resulted in a rate increase for, increase for my clients. And I wanted to take a look at my 22 numbers to make sure that there were positive changes from this rate increase. I had one client that balked at my rate increase. I usually do about eight projects for them, and in 2022, that was reduced to two projects. I haven't seen one project for them yet in 2023, so I'm going to assume that they're not coming back. And I wanted to make sure that this was okay. Do I need to replace them with a new client? Do I have to market for that? And I found out by looking at the numbers that this change didn't affect my bottom line at all. My business grew in 2022 in spite of my two and a half month hiatus due to a family emergency. So maybe raising my rates and losing that one client wasn't really a bad move for me. When I evaluate my client list, I also check to see if work that I'm doing for a client also aligns well with my target hourly rate. And there was one series of books that I did that didn't do well in terms of aligning with my hourly rate. And that was a series of religious books for an education publisher of K-12 books. I normally don't do a whole lot of books on religion. It turns out that I underbid for this job. I didn't underbid by a an enormous amount, um, and the work wasn't very taxing, so it all was okay in the end. But I made sure to add this kind of information to my notebook list of job estimates, and I marked it all down on the invoice in case I need to place a bid for this type of work in the future. I will know to come up with a better rate. But the bottom line is that I didn't particularly enjoy this type of indexing. So I might not even bid for this type of work again, unless it's during a predictable slow period and I get the rate that brings, the, brings in my target hourly rate. I added this book to my proceed with caution list of subject specialties. I'd rather know up front what I'm up against when I take on this kind of work. Do you have a list like that, that you keep track of things that you might not want to index again, or doesn't pay at the level that you want? I know I like to do that because it helps me keep my work moving in a direction that I want it to be in and allow my business and my work to be satisfying. By evaluating my current client list, I came up with a couple small goals that I want to achieve in 2023. I want to make sure I keep in contact with the new editor from that medical publishing company that I really enjoy working with. I've also been reading some business books that are all from one publisher, and I've really been enjoying them. So I'm going to contact that publisher in the hopes that we could develop a good working relationship. I also identified that raising my rates and losing one client didn't necessarily affect my bottom line and my projections for 2023. The next question is actually a cluster of questions looking at wants versus needs. Do I want to scale back my business this year or do I want to grow my business? This is countered with do I need to scale back my business versus needing to grow my business? In terms of wants, I actually want to grow my business. I like having an editor for my indexes because it opens up some time in my schedule, and I feel like I can easily grow my business's bottom line, so the want is there. But as I started to sketch out ways to grow my business, I came up with the realization that there isn't really room to grow my business over the next six months substantially. This isn't the time to increase my business, meaning my available work hours, which is different from raising my projections, for a couple reasons. As I've mentioned before, my youngest is off to college in the fall, so I'm ready to ramp up my business this year. But looking at the calendar, fall means September. So this year really isn't January, February, or March. It's September is when I can start ramping things up. My homeschooling duties aren't over yet, and we're still visiting colleges while she's making her decision, so I still need time to dedicate part of my workday to this type of, air quote, work. So as I flip my calendar forward to September, I also realize that that month it really isn't available for increased hours due to our vacation that spans August and September and my oldest one heading off to college. So does this mean I have to shelve my plans? No, this type of question resulted in some wonderful insights into my planning, and I'll fold my plans into the next question. Here we are at our final question. Do I notice a seasonality in my work schedule? This question is really important to me because it's going to inform me where to fit in or scale back on work. Sometimes you don't necessarily need to work harder or longer to earn more money. You simply need to fill in your slow times. But it's not always easy to find work to fill an empty day at a moment's notice. Being intentional and planning ahead would yield better results. And identifying the seasonality in your work is one way to do this. I do have seasonality to my work. From the beginning of my indexing business, I've always noticed that I'm busiest in April, May, June, July, and August. But over time, I've learned I have to keep an eye on July's schedule and protect August from being overloaded. This year, it's even more precious to me. As I mentioned, my youngest will be going off to school in the fall. No final decision has been made to wear, and that might not be made until May 1st. This means my kid could be heading out the door anywhere from mid-August to the beginning of September, and my oldest will be coming home in June. Since I spent so much time last summer in Boston at the hospital, and then supporting my dad in Manchester after my mom's death, I'm going to be very intentional as to how my summer plays out. I have to think very carefully about my approach. And I also realized when I asked myself this question that it probably won't, it'll probably be this way for at least another four years, given the fact that my kids need to move in and out of college every year. And I can't predict whether this will ease over the next couple of years as my kids become juniors and seniors. One goes to college in the Midwest, and my other one might very well end up there. So there are a couple travel days involved with this. And then if they come home over the summer, I am going to want to earmark time to be with them. Again, another concept I need to brainstorm in the future. It is on my calendar for next week since my summer schedule will be filling soon. But I can look at my slow periods, which tends to be... November, December, and January and see if I can fill in work there that will allow my business to grow. And it actually fits in very well with my plans for this summer and ramping up my work in September because I can use the last half of September and October and earmark some of that time for marketing to make sure my November, December, and January schedules fill up a little bit better. And that's where seasonality is so important. You don't only want to know your busy periods, but you also want to know your slow periods. So there you have it, my answers to the year-end questions for my 2022 year-end review. I identified that I really love trade book indexing and medical textbook indexing. And in the future, if I want to increase either one of them, I'd probably increase the medical textbook indexing. I also knew that the only direction that was new that I want to take my business in this year was podcasting. Otherwise, I'm going to sit tight. In terms of resources for 2023, I found that I had enough time in terms of vacation days and money to attend two conferences, as well as give a presentation at one of the conferences. When I asked myself what worked well in 2022 and what didn't work well, I found that having a great group of clients is so crucial to my business. And I found that my my work schedule and my personal schedule often meshed in a messy way. I'm taking steps to make that better in 2023. I also talked about the my client list and the ones that I really enjoy working with, and how I could potentially add a few more clients like that to my list. In terms of wants and needs, I realized that while I do want to increase my business this year, this actually isn't something that I can do until the very end of the year. But that helped me with planning. And finally, in terms of seasonality, my work tends to be very busy in the summer, and I'm gonna to have to watch that carefully for the next few years to make sure that I have time for the things I want to do in my personal life while still taking full advantage of that full season. Thanks for listening. I really hope you found this to be helpful. And now it's time for the See Also segment of the podcast. This is when I point out something relevant to the episode that you can also explore. This week, I'm going to mention indexing awards. I will list links to them in the show notes. The American Society of Indexing used to offer the ASI Excellence in Indexing Award, but this was retired in 2021. According to the website, the association is currently engaged in reimagining its award program. I'm eager to hear about what they come up with. The Indexing Society of Canada also offers an award that highlights the excellence in indexing. According to their website, submitted indexes will be considered in light of style, content analysis, structure, vocabulary, cross-referencing, and accuracy. The Institute of Certified Indexers offers new indexers the chance to showcase their skills with the Purple Pen Award. Only indexers who have completed an indexing course in the last five years are eligible. The Society of Indexers offers the Betsy Moyes Award for the Best Newly Accredited Indexer. Why do I bring this up now? Well, submitting an index for an award is a great way to stretch yourself. And if you're planning for 2023 right now, this might be a great opportunity for you to pencil in some time to polish an index that's coming up in the near future or any time over the next year so that you have something to submit for one of these awards in 2024. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Until next Monday, be well and do well, and happy indexing!